what began as a birthday barbecue ended in a bizarre tragedy in Hohokus, New Jersey today. It was this power mower that brought a quick end to the life of 21-year-old bride-to-be Elizabeth Shelley. Like wood through a mulcher, the girthful fiancé disappeared beneath the blades of the berserk mower that sent her personality raining down upon the horrified birthday revelers. In a blaze of blood, bones, and body parts, the vivacious young girl was instantly reduced to a tossed human salad, a salad that police are still trying to gather up, a salad that was once named Elizabeth. Well, pop yourself a beer or a cold libation. Let me tell you how I wrote this little thing. I went and took a call from brother Jason, and he tells me that he has a little dream. He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast, and I ask him, what you got? He said, I'll start off with some talking and some moody clips of popcorn fighting, fantasy explorations, and some groundless exploitation, kickstarts that I'm watching, and some blind unboxings, full month horror movie marathon. Sometimes I'll let the dogs come on, contest, and of course you know it's all about games. I said, slow down, let's just start with the name. It's the Nerds RPG. With the other Jason. Welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host, Jason. Recently, we've had a couple episodes talking about the idea if Cthulhu is scary or not. Are demons scary? And as a result of that conversation, Taylor over at the Cleric Square Ringmail Media Empire posed the question, what's the current zeitgeist of horror? What are people today scared of? And today is a call-in episode where a number of different people call in to answer that question. First, Carl weighs in on horror and actual plays kind of in response to the uh, a little bit earlier version of the question. So let's, let's play Carl Rodriguez of the Geomologist Presents podcast calls, and then we'll get to the body of the show. Hey, Jason, I think I want to tackle your Call of Cthulhu horror or not. Take exit 581, then keep right at the fork. Episode, and I'm driving. Sorry about that. Um, maybe take tackle it from a different point of view. Um, you're going to get a keep right at the fork here. Keep right at the fork. Because I just listened, like, on my trip. Um, I just listened on my trip to Disintegrator, a pulp Cthulhu tale run by... Uh, Continue on I-410 North for one and a half miles. The great Andy Goodman um, and various players that we do know that have podcasts. And I don't know, I, it was a very tense and exciting rendition, but I don't know and I couldn't tell while they were the characters were afraid for their lives, were they really affected by the horror of it all? And maybe Pulp Cthulhu is a little hard because, you know, character is a bit more powerful they're not as fragile and um yeah they can they got some staying power so and although they saw things and heard things that were quite disturbing in my opinion i don't know i don't know how that translated to the players and in the end you know it just uh seemed like a monster bash um and maybe the horror is the consequence and comes from the coda of what would happen in the epilogue uh, that was narrated by some of the players. So I don't know. It's a you know hearing actual play. Are they really are they scared? Um, 
perhaps. I know they're disturbed by the events and things that happen to their character. And maybe I know Masks was quite intense um, in some situations. Um, so maybe I'll have to check that out and see if they're really afraid. So Carl's talking about Andy Goodman's show, which you can find Andy Goodman's actual plays on Grizzly Peaks Radio. He also Andy Goodman also has a regular podcast, Expedition Grizzly Peaks. And go listen to episode 362, Creating a Horror Game. I think it's the latest one at the time of publication of this podcast. And in that, you get session zero for what's going to be a serious horror game. And if you listen to that session zero, and then you think about some of the people involved, if you've ever played with them or listened to other things they're with, I can't imagine anybody involved with that game is going to be scared in the least. They're going to be laughing and joking and all that kind of stuff. But that doesn't mean the podcast, the actual play podcast, the listeners here can't be scary. And I think that might be possible because of the editing magic of TJ Drennan. TJ, of course, does the music for this podcast. He does the music for a lot of different anchor casts. He edits a lot of Andy Goodman shows. Andy Goodman does some editing himself now. Let's not discount Andy's abilities. But TJ is an expert at this, a master editor. And, and I think if any of the the shows over there, Grizzly Peaks Radio, are scary, it's prop like actually do chill people that are listening. I, I I think TJ's editing has a large part to do with it because I love Andy Goodman. I played in his games before. In fact, there, I think you can find a game over there that I've been in, you know, over on Grizzly Peaks Radio. But <laughs> just the style of that game and, and his game master style. And this isn't a, a hit on Andy, but I, I, you know, he mixes the, the absurd and the horror and, you, you know, with different comments and this and that. And I, I just can't see being scared at his table. I can see being physically um you know, sickened maybe if you're into body, if you're not into body horror, body horror bothers you. If you can be grossed out easily, I could see Andy hitting you that way. Definitely. Because Andy's excellent descriptions. But I, as far as like fear or supernatural dread or anything like that, existential terror, I, I love Andy to death, but I, but I think the, the asides and the jokes of his players probably keep that from happening too much. Um, but that's not to say it can't happen in the actual play. Okay, so I wanted to play this because this that call was kind of horror-related, and I didn't want to let it go too long. But now we're going to jump into the body of the show, which are people talking about what the zeitgeist of horror is and or what scares them personally. And we're going to start and stop with calls from Spencer, also known as Free Thrall, over at the Keep Off the Borderlands podcast. I have a number of callers on this podcast and I'm not going to chime in and talk after each of these calls. So look at my show notes. The calls in the order they're played are going to be that way in the show notes. Except, of course, Spencer. I'm not going to listen to him twice. But, but he's going to start off the series and then end the series of calls with calls from Spencer. So without further ado, let's open up that mailbag. Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Well, maybe it's your auntie or a joke by your spouse, but the operator's screaming is coming from inside the house. Hi. 
Hey Jason, Spencer here. I just wanted to say I really enjoyed that uh, Cthulhu Collective episode. All the callings were great. Um, and I want to answer Taylor's uh, question. Um, I thought his call was really interesting, him hitting on this idea of uh, horror being the inversion of the current zeitgeist. What are we putting our faith in that's going to contain the seeds of our undoing what are our current anxieties about uh, and kind of before i wanted to get into that i wanted to briefly talk about how i feel horror has changed in recent years uh, i think you'll be pleased to know we're moving away from the jump scare that's being seen as quite an old tired idea i believe um and we're seeing this elevated horror, horror being embraced as art. A lot of more recent films being influenced by the work of uh, Dario Argento, uh, one of those being an actual remake of Suspiria. And with this kind of um, artistic approach to horror, there's also a questioning of what constitutes horror. Um, I think we're moving away from kind of things being, uh, it says what it does on the tin, to being presented with tins that are completely uh, without labels. And it, if you were going to label them, it's difficult to find a place for them to fit. And I, I really love that. I love sitting down to a film and not really knowing what I'm going to be presented with. There's lots of horror that appears to be present in films that aren't necessarily considered horror. And a lot of things that are presented as horror which a lot of uh, viewers don't agree um a recent film called um the lighthouse uh released well directed by the guy who directed the witch which was very clearly horror the lighthouse was marketed as horror but i think that kind of put a lot of people's nose out of joint because although it contains horror elements um i don't think i think a lot of people would not consider it to be a horror film. I loved it for what it was, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I th this sense of uh, lack of definition is not only true for the sort of the, the nature of the films being made, but the, the content of the films. Quite often in these modern horror films, the evil, the monster, the... the malevolent force is not very clearly defined and i i kind of see this as a resurgence of weird fiction you know stories that go beyond you know that precede genre like um sci-fi fantasy horror you know stuff was just um supernatural and strange and um, this this lack of definition with regard to, you know, what is how does that connect to the zeitgeist? Well, I mean, what's more spoken about in recent times than identity, group identity? These anxieties around identity, alienation, not being seen, not being heard, and you know, in these horror films. I think that's very much being tapped into and um, 
And not only do these monsters, these forces we're, uh, we're shown uh, lack definition, they're somehow also linked to aspects of our own identity. And quite often in recent horror films, uh, by the end of these films, if the protagonist hasn't either been completely consumed by this uh, false, um, they're certainly forever changed by it. You know, there's no kind of return to normality afterwards. And uh, yeah, I think they're the, the themes that are, are running through modern horror as I see it now. These These anxieties of identity so uh yeah great um discussion really enjoyed uh thinking about that bye hey jason it's another great episode you had uh today um i think i enjoyed hearing everybody's thoughts but taylor i think did a particularly good job of talking about the zeitgeist and summarizing the historical forces that kind of shape the time Lovecraft was in um, to better explain sort of what why his things produced that existential sense of horror in people so good job for for Taylor on that um, as far as your, your question there at the end or, or the question there at the end that you guys posed I think today that, that, that horror that we would want to tap in that would really get at people if you're talking about sort of the current zeitgeist would be fear of your neighbors, your coworkers, which which is not like that's never been done. But but I, I think I think the thing that would really tap into what we're really dreading in the world today is that um, uh, we're so divided, you know, society along political lines, along religious lines, along so so other kinds of lines. On paper, we should all be getting along. You know, these should be things that don't divide us as vehemently as they do, and yet, yet we have your relationships in and, and feuds among neighbors, and, and increasingly aggressive and hateful behavior based on political differences and uh, socioeconomic differences and things like that. So, I think a, a horror that would reflect our times would be something that would tap into that phenomenon. And, and, and operate on the premise that that is something that is inevitable and that we can't escape and that a, a, a worse world for all of us is on the horizon because of it. So, uh, you know, a contemporary horror that taps into that would either depict that collapse of society. Um, you know, we may be looking at some version of a post-apocalyptic, but I don't, I think the post-apocalyptic itself, like Mad Max has been done, I, I, I think... Um, it would almost be a world that, that the veneer, maybe kind of an Orwellian kind of place where the veneer is that we still have this modern society, but at any moment, you know, um, we're kind of forced to pretend that it's <laughs> forced to pretend that everything's okay when everything's not okay, that we all get along when we don't get along and that we're stuck in that in perpetuity and, and no one is ever happy and no one is ever able to achieve any kind of happy ending for themselves or their loved ones that we're just going to be stuck in the cycle of we're all miserable and having to pretend that things are otherwise or, or, or pretend that there's hope for the future when we all know there's not and I think that's I guess that's kind of how 1984 ends not, not, not to spoil exactly how it ends but that's sort of the 
the uh, you know kind of the premise in 1984. So maybe we're looking at something more like an Orwellian type of you know uh, horror. Maybe, maybe that's the, the 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 thing that we'll we'll get into in the future. I don't know. And uh, to call back to Taylor's comment, I mean, I have people say, heard people comment that we may be in a second Gilded Age. Um, so, inverting the self, um, you know, that, that <laughs> maybe, maybe, we, maybe we could go back to actual Lovecraft's kind of horror. We just have to rethink what it is that causes that dread. It's not, you know, the great old ones somewhere out in space. It's a uh, something more local, some, some, some problem embedded in our, in our friends and our neighbors and our media and, and things like that. Hey Jason, this is Taylor of Cleric's Way Ringmail, calling in in response to your What is Scary call-out. First, though, I wanted to say thank you for making that call-out. How better to determine what the zeitgeist truly is, that is, what is the spirit that needs to be violated in order for something to be truly frightening, truly scary, than to collate and collect a bunch of different things that scare people and look for common themes. So, to help provide the data set, I will speak to what I'm afraid of. I am afraid of the tyranny of the majority. I am afraid of the erosion of liberty as predicated by the willing surrender of freedom in the face of hazard or adversity, wherein a servile plurality tacitly endorses the abolition of fundamental human rights. I am afraid of charismatic, intelligent leaders who don't view the people they lead as people, but instead as a commodity. So, if I were writing a horror novel, I would include those kinds of powers. My horror novel would be about the few manipulating the many, wherein the protagonist, enlightened, sees everything in real time, but is powerless to do anything about it. I got this unsolicited message on the Discord that I should share what scares me. I'll make this as quick as possible. Um, I think what scares me the most, like just off the top of my head, and I remember experiencing this when I was scuba diving off the coast of Honduras in Roatan. There's a reef there, but there's this drop-off that you can get to, and then you look down into the abyss. And that's kind of what scares me, is you realize how small you are, and what if something was down there, right? So I, I think that's what it definitely kind of can terrify me and bring a shudder to me, um, Jump scare stuff makes me jump, but it's not really scary. Um, a person, a slasher, a murderer, um, yeah, they can be defeated, right? And um, But the deep ocean or the deep space or knowing that Earth is such a small speck in the Milky Way galaxy, I think that's ultimately what terrifies me. Yo, dude, let's talk about what scares me. Nothing. I'm all man. I'm never afraid of anything. Just kidding. So, yeah, existential stuff absolutely does scare me because I was responding to the Cthulhu stuff. If Cthulhu scares me, and no, Cthulhu doesn't, but existential stuff, some existential stuff does. Uh, something I suffer from due to my vision is the fear of being lost and unable to 
find a way back. This is, you know, pretty much mitigated by the ubiquity of cell phones. But still, that is a fear that still rises up. If I'm taking a bus somewhere for the first time, I don't like that. I, I, it makes me very nervous. It makes me anxious. makes me scared. Um, the idea of something bad happening to my mom, someone breaking into her house or something, uh, that, that terrifies me. Something also bad happening to my sister, not just my mom. Um, yeah, that, those are like some real life things that scare me. Another thing that sort of scares me that I don't do is looking into mirrors in dark rooms. <laughs> when I have to get up to go to the bathroom at night, I either won't look in the mirror or I will turn on the light. <laughs> like that is a childish fear, but it's still, I can do it. I can force myself to do it. And I have forced myself to do it because sometimes you just need to do that. But in general, that scares me. I don't, yeah, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. I'm scared I'll see someone behind me, even though that doesn't make sense because it's dark. How are you going to see behind you? Yeah, so those are the things that kind of scare me. And those are kind of personal things to me. You know, I'm not scared that, you know, everything we've learned and know is useless in the face of the universe or anything like that. None of that stuff, that part of existentialism really scares me. But the whole getting lost thing, being lost and unable to find your way, that's very existential, right? Like being forever lost, running through a maze, unable to ever get out. That's that's pretty crazy. But yeah, the whole idea of humans are nothing in the grand scope of things, I believe that to be true. And that doesn't mean I'm a nihilist or anything. I just, we are a speck. <laughs> we are a tiny little speck in a massive universe. And yeah, our all of our accomplishment, all of human history amounts to nothing <laughs> in the grand scope of the universe. And I'm I'm pretty good with that. Peace out. Jason, it is Eric. You asked what scares me, what drives fear into my heart, what makes me wilt. Um, nothing. I'm not scared of anything, man. That's ah, a lie. I'm scared of stuff. But when you talk about specifically movies or games, I don't find them scary, right? Like, a good horror movie is two components where I'll be like, that's a good horror movie. There's certain horror movies that are just funny, right? Like, they're kind of ridiculous, right? Like, watch, like, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Yeah, it scared me as a kid, but now if I were to watch it, I'd probably giggle and laugh at some of the special effects, right? Like, those are kind of funny movies. A good horror movie right now has one of two components. It's weird and suspenseful, right? It adds this component where you're like, I don't know what the hell is going to happen next, and this is strange, right? But I'm not afraid of that. It's just like it creates a sense of anxiety inside me and, and, I, and the suspense happens. I'm not scared, though. Um, and then gory horror movies. Um, I, don't, I don't like gore, necessarily. Like, really, fake gore is kind of funny, but like if it's like realistic or, I don't know, it's like something I could see happening to me, then, yeah, I'm like kind of like, oh, I don't like that. And I, I just don't want to watch it. I'm not, like, scared. I'm, like, I'm not like, I can't watch it. I'm scared. It's just not entertaining to me. It makes me feel bad, you know, anxious on the inside. And, you know, Carl's probably like, you're scared, Eric. You're scared. You're scared of stuff. I'm like, no, Carl, I'm not scared of stuff. Go back to Texas, Carl. And then Carl will be like, I'm already in Texas.
and then we'd move on. But, uh, yeah. I, you know, there's certain things I will watch. I will watch a zombie movie. Um, though I did want to watch the David Batista zombie casino heist movie. It looks entertaining. But generally, I don't watch zombie movies because I watch a zombie movie. I have zombie dreams afterwards, and I can't sleep, and I wake up, and I, I have a bad night's sleep. But I'm not scared because my brain just starts having zombie dreams. So that's why I don't watch Walking Dead because of zombie dreams and stuff like that. And I tend to like watching happy things. I'm not into, uh, you know, the sadomasochistic horror and everything is dead stuff that Cthulhu happens where the world goes pear-shaped. Um, it's just not my thing. Um, I'll play them. They're fun, but I'm not scared while I'm playing them. There are some things that do scare me. Uh, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't scared of certain things. And uh, I'm scared of dying, you know. Um, the thought of not existing, not being able to think, not having conversations, not being able to interact with the world or the universe, um, the unknown on the other side, that scares me. I, you know, I've definitely sat late up at night thinking, holy crap, I'm getting old. I'm now 41. Uh, I'm going to die tomorrow, maybe. Who knows, right? Like, hopefully, not for another 40-something years. But that 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 tends to scare me. And then, um, you know, I have a wife and a couple, couple kids, two boys. And, you know, something bad happening to them where I had to watch it or I wasn't able to stop it, you know, or, like... That scares me. If, if they're in the burning house and I don't run in, do I have the courage? You know, in my head, I'm like, yeah, I'd go do that. I'm a man. I'm going to go save my family. But, you know, there's always that thought in the back of my head about what if in that situation I'm not man enough to go and save them from that? And then I hear them screaming and dying or something like that. Um, that that scares me. Um, something bad happening to them, me having to watch it, me having to live with that afterwards, That that's a scary thought. Um, likelihood of that happening is pretty slim, I hope. But, um, yeah, that's the type of stuff that scares me. But if that was in a movie, I mean, it might make me think about it, but I wouldn't be, like, watching the movie being like, Oh, man, I'm scared. I can't watch this movie. You know, I'd just be like, I don't want to watch this movie. It makes me feel uncomfortable. And maybe that feeling of uncomfortability, new word just invented, is fear. So, anyway, there you go, man. Excuse me. Hey Jason, this is Rob, also known as Minion. I've been following the uh, conversation about horror and whether cosmic horror, uh, quote Cthulhu, Call of Cthulhu, is still uh, terrifying or not. It's been very interesting. Uh, I'm surprised I haven't actually responded or got to you before this point. But anyway, here I am. Um, yeah, the idea that the our, our conception of, of horror is tied into uh zeitgeist or yeah it is an interesting one i guess that and i guess there's a lot of truth to that or it seems very uh plausible anyway um what do i find terrifying i guess um in short um losing my sense of uh being my humanity and also um not being able to support the ones that i love so what do i mean by Losing the sense of humanity. Well, you know, we're very much tied to ourselves. We are ourselves, right? <laughs> our personalities are our sense of self. And that sense of integrated and integrated self is, is central to our experience. We have this perhaps an illusion, just an illusion of continuity going from day to day, but that is ourselves and our 
social lives are made possible through that that continuity, that uh, continuity of self, if you like. I'm sure there's better ways of putting this than what I'm saying here. But um, losing that, whether it's through madness or or through um, aging or or even through death, I guess, is quite a scary prospect. And I guess another way you can lose your humanity is through like habituation to dehumanizing elements um, in society, for, perhaps on the internet, perhaps through uh, terrible um, tragedy or, or, or uh, war or some other um, hardship. Um, so that that's something that's quite terrifying. I don't think the terror of such things will ever disappear. Um, as part of being human, is to to face that your your mortality, and that fear, what well, growing old, you know, um, losing your mind, and all of those things. You know, death. Um, they are uh, terror terrifying. They must be terrifying. Um, for many people uh, and continue to be so for de- decades to come for th- sorry that was ridiculous at the end uh, i was rushing um so yeah they will continue to be um to hold a special place in in people's minds you know in the things that that we wonder about and that are potentially horrifying or t- terrifying for human beings um for as long as we are human, I guess, um, not decades, certainly. Um, and what was the other factor? I guess, yeah, not being able to help your family members. Um, this is, can be as simple as having, having a family and losing your job, not having that security. But also, um, if some, one of your family uh, uh, is the victim of a crime or is wronged by somebody, not being able to legally uh, help them redress that crime uh, is quite a terrifying thing. And then I suppose, based on my answers just now, you can see that the the, the fears or the horror that somebody in their middle ages might um, might perceive will probably be a little bit different from something that a child of a few years will perceive or, or a teenager or somebody in their 20s. Um, yeah, so uh, that's another factor you've got to bring in. Is, so is zeitgeist, is that really the thing? I mean, zeitgeist, that's just popular culture, isn't it? Uh, and it affects certain people of a certain age group more than others. But I think there's th- things there's things about life um, that are more fearful uh for human beings um regardless of age or era uh and we're more aware of them if you're older so anyway that's what i've got for you um horror as something that is socially and i guess um commercially produced as a product and horror and terror as things that human beings uh, experience in the world regardless of 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 the period in which they live um, there will be slight differences you know the the, the horror of knowing some having some knowledge <laughs> i guess you know having knowing about a greater world um, 
the the, the fear of of worrying about a climate crisis crisis and things like that is something that you might not be fully aware of without a little bit of knowledge but but yeah generally yeah that i think um that's all i have to say on the topic and you can try and make sense of that or perhaps somebody else can anyway cheers silence for what scares me personally um i think you're onto something there with demons because um although i'm not a religious person and i don't agree that there's you know such a force as evil in the world you know not sure horrific stuff happens but i think most of that can be brought down to neglect or indifference um but kind of evil as a sort of a mystical force uh, no, but, you know, I do get a thrill out of watching things like religious horror and, um, you know, stuff about demons. And you say you like a bit of comedy in your horror. Well, one of my favorite movies is Drag Me to Hell. And that is, yeah, that is what I call entertaining horror. Um, but what scares me? I'm not sure that's the same thing. Um, because I, I watch horror for entertainment, but there is certain stuff that I do not like watching, particularly things like torture porn, um, the, the work of Eli Roth, the host, Hostel movies. I've got no interest in watching that kind of stuff at all. I mean, sure, I can watch films that contain torture and stuff like that, but they have other merits. I mean, there's a, a great movie... Uh, called uh, Wolf Creek, very difficult to watch. Uh, Eden Lake was another one, really disturbing stuff. And um, I accept that they're good films. I'm not sure I want to sit down and watch them again. Um, I do like stuff where, you know, people uh, lose control or, or they, they have um, their control taken away from them. I think helplessness is something that being robbed of agency, I think there's definitely something to that. Um, uh, Get Out is a great example of that sort of thing. Um, and as I said before, the discovering that you are the monster, um, There's, I, I don't want to list off films like that because that's very much the ending twist. And, uh, yeah, I don't want to go down the spoiler route again. Um I think what I find, yeah, so so I get a kick out of certain types of horror for the entertainment value, but there's stuff that um, is just unpleasant to to watch, um, particularly that sense of helplessness of, you know, witnessing the suffering of others and not being able to do anything about it. 
um, that is very, very unpleasant. But but when you, I think about things that are unsettling, certainly the work of David Lynch gets it. Yeah, David Lynch gets it right. Um, particularly, there's a, a section in Mulholland Drive where someone's recounting their dream. I find that really, really unsettling. And also this stuff in Lost Highway that's equally disturbing. And again, I think that taps into something that's within us that we fear within ourselves and um, kind of that are underneath the the normality there's this kind of real twisted um darkness uh, i find that stuff fascinating and um well i think i've waffled on long enough and it's about time somebody else got to say bye we may not have our thumb on the zeitgeist at the moment and we might not know what scares the average person but we have some idea what scares our fellow listeners and podcasters so if they're in your games this episode might be helpful to you and i think it is helpful to give a general cross-section of society admittedly a cross-section of the role-playing game society right if you called in about something else that'll be in a future show but i want to keep this one pretty focused like i say i want to thank all the callers great calls all the way around thank tj drennan for the music as i mentioned at the beginning of the episode wonderful music he provides and i want to thank ray otis who gives a coffee cup clip art to the show even though i didn't use it for this episode's clip art i used the picture of a character that's near and dear to joe richter's heart so i will talk to you guys on the weekend take care and as always if you have any comments feel free to leave a message on anchor send an email nerdsrpgvarietycast at gmail.com if you attach an audio file i'll play it on the air and make you famous where you can find me on a variety of discords. So take care, my friends. Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Maybe it's your auntie or a joke about your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I could shoot him dead. Bring on the gold, bring on the gold. I want some more, bring on the gold. Well, the butcher is a dustman and your moil is by a tipper, and I'm assuming that your partner back there in the wood chipper. Don't look away, don't look away, don't look away, don't look away. Well, the zombies are rising and the world has gone to hell. We're living for the dying and we're dying for the train wreck.